All right. Uh, praise the Lord. How was the the Bible study in the groups? Okay. The, uh, praise God. Um, that's good to hear. Hopefully you are already uh, built some groups that um, you will be participating with um, in a short time. And um, if you, I'll, I'll give you this, if you study just a little bit, it goes a long way, long ways. I remember several times joining the group or building a group right on the spot. Okay, don't do that, okay? <laughs> But uh, this was one time at camp, at Mount Baker camp, uh, uh, that I, I joined a group that was built on a spot. I did, though, read uh, the passages and everything. And we, uh, multiple times, we took, like, third place, <laughs> which was so cool. Um, but I did not. Uh, so what I'm saying is that uh, do study a little bit, because if you join a group last minute, and if you can't contribute, even if your group wins, you're going to feel bad about it because you didn't contribute anything to the group, to that victory, right? But if you put in a little bit of effort, if you read Romans at least one, if you're driving to school to work, uh, you know, put in your um, um, AirPods, your e earbuds, or whatever you use, uh, listen to the book. If you listen to the book several times, it will record and you will be able to recognize the patterns. Some of those things are, you just have to look at the passage and recognize the pattern, put in the words in and, and stuff like that. Um, so so do, do uh, study for that. Uh, in the process of studying, you will receive, I believe, um, a great blessing uh, because reading the scripture is um, life giving. That's, um, and that's, that's true. So our passage today is uh, the book of Romans, Life After Salvation. So the first two um, sermons that we heard were on why we need salvation, right? And then how do we get saved? And now uh, we are in the part where Paul talks about uh, where we talk about what life after our salvation looks like. So in the beginning um, of this, um, I want to just do a quick review of, of the book of Romans. So Romans, the main context of Romans is about uh, justification by faith alone. The whole case that Paul is building in Romans, he's writing this letter to a physical people, let's say in Tacoma. People were gathering in Tacoma, he would write a letter from, I don't know, Olympia. <laughs> maybe not Olympia, maybe from uh, Sacramento or something. But he's writing a physical letter to the people to communicate something. There's no email, there's no text messages, obviously. Uh, he's writing a letter and he wants to encourage the believers in Rome um, of certain truths. He wants to uh, make sure they understand the gospel. And the whole purpose or the whole theme of this letter is justification by faith alone. Meaning that there's nothing else you need additionally to be justified before God. You 
have to have faith, or faith is the essential, is the core thing that you need to, where the road starts. That's what you need. So while we uh, are studying this book, I would ask uh, all the guys in the back that are, I know, uh, flipping through their Bibles, to have the eyes on me, please. Um, because if you look, uh, that's why I made the PowerPoint, so it's easier for you guys to uh, kind of uh, keep track of where we at. So if you give me your attention another 25 minutes, I would greatly appreciate it, and I believe this will benefit you um, as well. So the historical impact of the of, of the Book of Romans was um, tremendous. It's a very it's one of the most important works of Paul uh, as we have today, because every major um, or every major revival started with the Book of Romans, with studying the Book of Romans. Every major revival, if you think about it, started when people decided they're going to start studying the Book of Romans. Wouldn't that be a blessing that a revival starts in our youth in Tacoma through our youth uh, simply because we decided to dedicate ourselves and study uh, God's word? That would be awesome. But that's a fact. Saint, uh, uh, Saint Augustine said that in Romans, all the shadows of my doubt were dispelled. All the shadows of his doubt, all the things that he was battling with, they were answered through this particular book. Um, Paul is laying out the case for the gospel in this book. And uh, he is saying that the gospel is alone the answer to all of the human problems. It is so meticulous that a fun fact is that Harvard Law School, for the first hundred years when the Harvard was established, required its students to work through the book of Romans and to study it because of the way that Paul meticulously built a case for the gospel. Isn't that cool? And uh, I am not anywhere as close of building my sermon as Paul builds his case for the gospel, but I try to do my best, and typically my introductions are huge, and I never have time to land the plane. So my prayer today is that we don't crash the plane, but we actually land uh, the plane safely. Uh, but Paul really builds, uh, builds the case for the gospel, and he explains um, to the Christians, not to the unbelievers, but this is a book to Christians in Rome. Uh, <clears throat> and he explains that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And interestingly enough, the gospel is, only the gospel is referred to as to the power. Uh, in context, if you think about Rome, an empire that lasted for a thousand years, if you think about USA, United States of America, how old is United States of America? Any guesses, anybody? Close to 200 years, a little bit more, right? So US or America was influential in the world since the 1900s. Not that, before that, there were other strong empires or strong countries that had dominions, like the British. Uh, but after the Second World War, um, America gained much influence in the world. So it's been only maybe um, 80 years, 
and America has been in this influential position in the world, Rome, in comparison, was dominating the world for 1,000 years. Is that a lot or not? I, you know, we're going to leave only up to 100 years, hopefully, right? Um, 1,000 years, that's a lot, a lot, a lot of different people went through that. So the power that Rome projected was huge. People were afraid, and they were praising Rome. The Roman status or Roman citizenship was um, highly desirable. People desired and, and wanted were pride, uh, taking pride in their citizenship of Rome, of being a Roman. In contrast to that, Paul is saying that the power is actually in the gospel, that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation, not in the military forces, not in the, in the economical uh, wealth, nothing else, but the power unto salvation is in the gospel. What is the gospel? What is the gospel? And we're going to uh, talk about that as well. But before we do that, uh, Paul also claimed in the letter that Jesus is King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he specifically addresses that because in the Pantheon in Rome, there was a building where it housed all the gods the Romans worshipped. All the gods you could imagine you were brought into this place and were displayed and people were free to come in and worship. More than that, you were able to invent your own God and bring it and worship it. But there were two requirements. You could never say that your God is the only God. So first, you can have your own God. Nobody can tell you otherwise but the second requirement is you can never say that your God is the only God and you know why because on top of this building of the pantheon where it housed all the gods it said that Caesar king of kings and the lord of lords so no one else was supposed to be above Caesar or above the king of Rome right Caesar the ruler of Rome Paul challenges that view and he says that Jesus is the king of kings and the Lord of Lords. And he was willing to pay his life for that. And he did uh, because of his statements. So what is the gospel? The gospel is was a very common word uh, for the people that live there. Uh, it was a good news that someone already won the battle, the battle. The gospel is basically a good news that the battle is won. It is over. We're victorious. So that's what the gospel means, that the battle is over. As one preacher um, said that um, the fire to do in a Christian life, if we take it into the Christian life context, he said that the fire to do in the Christian life comes only from being soaked. Uh, it comes only from being soaked in the fuel of what has been done. So nothing that we can do in our Christian life or everything that we do in our Christian life has to come from the realization and fact of what has been done for us already on the cross by Jesus Christ. 
I'm going to skip a few um, overview chapters, um, and we're not going to look at every chapter. We already heard about them um, over the past couple of Tuesdays, but I'm going to jump to chapter 5. Chapter 5 is about two atoms, about two families, and I want to start here because uh, I believe this is uh, crucial and important. Pauls is saying that there's only two types of people on this planet Earth. He refers back to the original Adam, a person, a man, that fell into sin. And he said that through Adam, everyone got infected. It's like a virus that infected every human being on the planet Earth. But then he says that there came another Adam that, who was who is Jesus Christ, and by obedience, he brought victory and overcame that sin. And Paul is contrasting those two atoms. One took from the tree of the knowledge and died. The other was placed on a tree and died to bring life to everyone. As through one atom, everyone got infected with this sinful and deadly disease through Jesus, everyone is able to receive grace and life. And so he divides people on the planet Earth into two categories, those who are of the first Adam and those who are belong to the second Adam. He said there's only two families on the planet Earth, a family of sinners and a family of believers that received their salvation and their life by grace, by faith, through grace, um, through the second Adam. So the biggest question that we have to answer before we get anywhere further is which family uh, do you belong to? Which family do you, do I, do you and I belong to? Have we made that conscious decision in our life? to become a member of the family of the second Adam or the family of Jesus Christ. Because if we are not there, then everything else we're going to be talking about does not, not going to benefit you or it, it does not have effect on you. You cannot relate to the rest of the case that Paul is building. Paul is building a case for the gospel. He starts with chapter 1 and he shows the depravity and the sinfulness of man and what sin does and lawlessness does. And he goes on to say that everyone is affected, everyone is sinful and is guilty and deserves the punishment. But then he brings um, a point of faith that through faith we receive our justification. Through faith in Jesus Christ, we receive this justification. And so he builds a case up to chapter five and he makes this bridge into the next chapter, chapter six. And um, he starts talking about uh, that the, the battle is, has been already won. That Jesus did it on a cross. He won the battle. He overcame sin. And now uh, those who believe have, can enjoy the victory, can live in freedom. And he said that it's, the sin is, is not like the grace, or the grace is not like sin. If, if sin is infected all the people, grace is a lot more powerful in simple words. And it covers multitudes of sins. And even this, if sin is multiplied, grace multiplies more. 
So the more sin there is, the more grace and the blood of Christ covers. And Paul in chapter 6 and chapter uh, in verse 2 says, um, uh, he says that, um, so should we just go on and sin? Should we just uh, have a free pass and, and like an unlimited visa card of grace where we can just, you know, sin more so that the grace abounds more and, and, and just, you know, live a careless life? He said, may it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? So let me ask you this question. Is Christian life hard or easy? Peter, is Christian life hard or easy? It's hard. Thank you. Any of the sisters, is Christian life hard or easy? Hard? Anyone thinks Christian life is easy? Okay, there's one person, two. Um, let's see what Jesus says. Jesus says that um, in order to follow me, take up your cross and follow me. Basically, you have to die. That's not easy, right? That's hard. But the very next thing he said, my burden is light and my yoke is easy. Oh, that's like two conflicting statements, right? Why is it hard and why is it easy? Because it's both. The reality, it's both. It's hard and it's easy. You know when it's hard? It's hard when we decide that we're going to live our Christian life on our terms. And we say, Jesus, can you come in into my life and get rid of this particular sin? I hate the sin of masturbation. Can you get rid of it? Can you, it's shameful, I don't like it. it, it brings me bad feelings and this and that. Can you get rid of me of this sin? Jesus says, of course I can do that. Or Jesus, can you get rid, uh, rid me of this sin of, of gossiping? You know, I, I hate, you know, talking about other people and I get caught and people, you know, shame me. And can you help me, you know, to, to get rid of that sin? Jesus said, of course I can, I can help you to do it. Um, and Jesus started changing, you know, start working in our life, but we don't realize that God is, uh, is not satisfied or he's not going to be only contained to that sin that we asked him to do. Jesus said that be perfect as your father is perfect. So God's intention is to make a perfect human being out of you and I. So when we ask him, when we invite him to give us help, to help us out in a particular situation or with, with a particular sin, we have to be prepared that God is going to start working in our life and he's going to unearth, he's going to open up a can of worms, practically speaking, that we never even thought existed or we did not want it, people to know or we're hiding it from ourselves but God's intention is to go all the way so that's why it's hard when we start fighting with God when he starts bringing trials in our life so our life can be cleansed we start fighting saying Lord no I only ask you to help me with this I don't want to go through difficulties so you can purify me and that's when it gets really hard 
But Christian life is a fresh start. That's the good news. You know, I enjoy waking up in the morning and having a fresh start. Anyone? Anyone here? When you had a hard day, when you were so exhausted and tired, when you messed up this day, isn't it a blessing to wake up in the morning and have a fresh, brand new start? You ever started a new job or a new career, a new business, and you're like, yeah, I'm going to start it over. You know, I'm not going to make the same mistakes as I made yesterday or the day before. Um, and that's what we have. That's what we have in Christ. We have a brand new start. But that brand new start also means that um, we need to die to our former life. And this is exactly what Paul is calling us to. Um, may it never be, how shall we who die to sin still live in it? And he calls us to die to our former life, to our former sins, and to live a new life. And how do we do that? There's two ways, um, or we die uh, to sin in two ways. The first way is repentance. Repentance is um, something that is not simply allowing God to guide you and help you along the way, but it's actually recognizing that God is in control. You know, it's a simple example that I can give is that, uh, you guys seen those bumper stickers that says, um, God is my co-pilot. I guess it was popular back in the day. And, uh, and the bumper sticker said, you know, God is my co-pilot. And yeah, it sounds cool. You know, he helps me along the way. And, you know, if I have a question, I can ask him. But, you know, I'm generally in control if he's my co-pilot. You know, I'm, I'm the chief pilot, right? I'm the main pilot, um, the big kahuna, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but um, the idea that Paul is talking about here or that uh, uh, is, is that that's not what repentance is. He is calling us to die to ourselves. He's saying, basically, that we have to repent. We have to simply, uh, not simply, you know, allow God to, to help along the way, but actually recognize that it is his car that we're driving. And when we recognize it's his car, you're getting out of the driver's seat, handing God the keys to his car. You get in the back seat and you say, Lord, I'm ready. Where are we going? So that's the difference between being, you know, inviting God, being my co-pilot, Lord, help me. Help me here, help me there. I need some money, I need some this, I'm struggling here. The difference between dying to ourselves or still struggling, trying to pull two different incompatible natures together. We try to live for ourselves to satisfy our desires. And at the same time, we're trying to build this facade. We're trying to build something that looks like a Christian person, Christian life. And we're wondering why it is so difficult, why it's not working out. Because I, I still want to enjoy life. You know, I'm not 100 years old. I still have these desires and passions and so on and so forth and that's why it is so hard because we never understood that Christ is not calling us to be just on the side and help us out and pat us on the back and say yeah 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 you try again that's not what Christ intended to do Christ actually 
calls us to repentance, to fully surrender our life to him and have him take control of our life. The second part of it is that Christ destroyed the reign of sin in our life through his resurrection. If you think of the baptism going underwater and coming out of the water, that is exactly what it means, is when you go under the water, you die for yourself. It's a physical picture for us to understand what dying means to ourselves. You go as one person and you come out, you are resurrected as a totally different person for a different purpose. You're a new tool, if you will, for God's work. And that's what Paul is communicating here in chapter 6, that re our repentance has to be complete or be full. It has to be a complete no to the former life and yes uh, to the new life in Christ. So the question is, um, when we die for ourselves, when we genuinely come to God and we die and we try to live our Christian life after the baptism, and we still have our old attractions to sin, they're still within us. Let's be honest. I've been a Christian for many years, and I still have attractions to sin. Sin sometimes still looks attractive. Although I know everything about sin, about the consequences of sin, that it's death, but it still attracts me. So what do I do with that? How do I deal with that? And that's what Paul is trying or, or addressing here. And he says that we have to apply Christ's victory um, in every aspect of our life. Did I jump um, one of the slides? Yes, I did. So how do we ac access the power of the gospel for Christian living? The power of the gospel or the power to live a holy life is already within us because Christ has died and he actually gave us his victory. He won the battle, okay? So there is no other battles to be win on, on the side of God. He already won the battle over sin and he's ready to give a victory to those who ask for it, to those who come to him with faith. So Christian living is not only faith believing in Christ as my Savior and accepting him as my Savior and Lord, but Christian living is faith to faith, says Paul in the first chapter. It is faith to faith. I always wonder what that meant, faith to faith. Faith means that first we have to have faith to accept Christ and to accept his righteousness as our own before God because we are not that great, that God is not impressed with us. He only impressed with his son, Jesus Christ, and we clothe ourselves with Christ himself. That's what God is impressed with, with our faith that we believed in the son and we accepted that righteousness. The second thing Paul says, that faith to faith, that you need faith to continue growing in Christ by faith, to continue growing in Christ and living a holy life to release that power, to allow that power to work in us. And he says this, that we do this through our um, 
in verse, let's look in verse 11. He says, so you also consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Jesus Christ. When he uses that word consider, it's actually uh, the root word, um, a Greek word, I'm not going to even try to pronounce it, but it means it's used in accounting. Uh, it means to count something that doesn't exist, uh, pretend that something exists, to consider it as already being done. So he said, consider, you must consider yourselves, what? Dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. And when we do that, we're not lying to ourselves, we're not pretending, but we consider ourselves genuinely in our heart, stepping out in faith, God seeing our faith, just like in the first case, believing in Christ by faith, he gave us the righteousness. In this case, it's the same thing. He releases the power to overcome sin he gives us the power he responds to the faith that we have that we are dead and we're alive with Christ praise be to God unfortunately we don't have that much time to uh, dive in deeper into the into the gospel uh, but I want to say this. I want to leave you with this. Uh, not this, but um, yes, okay. So the illustration from the second Punic word so there was this, um, there was this in Roman Empire in, in the in the year 207. There was uh, Roman Empire was shaken. There were other tribes that were trying to conquer it, trying to battle with it. And there was this um, very fascinating or or very uh, intense battle that happened. Um, the battle was between uh, Hasdrubal, who was the name of one of the generals. And he was fighting um, Roman forces on the south, from the south. If you think of Italy, you know, like the shape of a, um, uh, of a foot, if you will. And uh, they were trying to, f trying to fight, uh, fight in Italy, uh, legions of Romans on the south side. And his brother, Hannibal, attacked Roman forces from the other side, from the north. And so the Roman soldiers did something that was crazy, as you know, everyone thought, a reckless act. They actually left Hasdrubal here in the south and they rushed to the north and they fought with Hannibal. They killed Hannibal in that battle. And at that point, it was obvious that the war, the whole, the whole war was over. Like, the, the forces uh, disappeared or they disengaged, uh, the enemies disengaged and uh, there was no more resistance at the moment. So the war was declared to be won by Romans. But for many more years, the forces of Hannibal, little small armies, little small uh, batches, 
would terrorize the towns and villages of Romans. They would come back and they would battle and they would, uh, you know, take one village and, and, and leave and come back. And they would terrorize the Romans for many, many more years. So Romans have to, had to establish their presence in those cities, in those villages. They had to, it took time for them to establish their presence and to bring peace to all of their territories. If we can take that example and we can look at our life as Christians and look at the areas if of our lives and look at the areas where sin is still terrorizing your life, where sin is still not defeated in your life. We have to remember that Christ has won the battle. That Christ has the victory. But we have to be intentional in applying that victory into every aspect of our life where sin still has control. And if we fail to apply that victory and work towards that victory in those areas, and if they are left unchecked, they will rebel and they will take control of the whole. They will take control of more and more and more. And that's how the lawlessness comes in. So my brothers and sisters, may God help us in this battle. The battle is real. In chapter 7, Paul is talking about his battle with sin. And it's vicious. And he says, there's no way to win the battle with sin if you're battling by the law. If you are trying to achieve it by some kind of rules and standards and not by the gospel. Only the gospel has the power to break the chains of slavery. Only the good news, the good news of Christ, only application of that news by faith in our life daily, daily in our life has the power to free us from every kind of sin because he already won the main battle. Praise be to Jesus. Let's stand up and let's finish with um, a prayer.